right, all right, here we go. This is the NBA Dream Podcast for RJ Bell's Dream Preview. I'm your host, Sleepy J, joined once again by NBA betting expert Mackenzie Rivers. Mackenzie and myself, we'll go ahead, we'll cover the NBA hot topics for today, the NBA Sunday games, and our best bets. Also, featured segment, the Fezzik Bankroll bet that's locked and loaded for Sunday. Let me go ahead, let me bring Mackenzie in, and I do want to start, Mackenzie, with your pick on the Milwaukee Bucks. Our quick pod did quite well yesterday. That was the game that you gave me the handicap for. I said, you know what, Mac, that, that's the best pick there. That That's convincing. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to buy that pick from you. You made a good argument with that. Bucks came through. They got a win for us. But, Mac, that's the only undefeated team left right now in the NBA. You know, what do you make of this Milwaukee Bucks team right now? Bucks are solid. They are consistent. I'll get into them in a minute. I don't think they're the best team in the league. But first, I know at least one or two listeners is thinking, McKenzie, Bucks pick. Sleepy, McKenzie, I've been listening to every NBA pod. I've been a dedicated listener on the Dream Preview feed, and I didn't hear about no Bucks pick. What are you talking about? Well, here's what's going on. Uh, last year, at some point, maybe once or twice, the great R.J. Bell said in passing, as he does, which uh, informs the rest of us, uh, if I was doing an NBA pod, wouldn't I do it every day? Wouldn't a daily sport be met with daily content? to talk about what's happening every day on, on the on the gambling card, on the NBA card. And that made a lot of sense. And that made an impression on us, Sleepy and I. So this year, in addition to the twice a week on RJ Bell's Dream Preview NBA podcast, uh, we're doing five days a week. We're doing three more podcasts, three daily podcasts. We call it Bet Tank, NBA Bet Tank. Cool concept. Really happy with the way uh, the way that has come out, where we pitch each other like Shark Tank. Three bets. We make one selection. Eight and seven on total suggestions for the season, but more importantly, three and two when we dial down and say, yep, of the three arguments you made, I really like that one. 60% on those, happy about that. And yeah, it's just more content for you guys. You can find it on our Twitter, at SleepyJ underscore pregame, mine is at Mac and Rivers. And uh, why SoundCloud? Because that's the easiest to upload to. I'll pull back the curtain just a little bit further. Um you know, we wanted to get something going. We wanted to get something that we could be proud of, uh, get our reps in, uh, find a concept that made sense, that got some traction. And yeah, it's it's on our um, on our to-do list to uh, to put it on its own feed and to get it going. And I've gotten a lot of great feedback from it, which gives me encouragement to do that. Uh, so for now, you can find it on SoundCloud, uh, the pregame SoundCloud, or, or on our Twitter. And uh, that's a Bet Tank podcast. Anyway, about the Bucks team that cast for us yesterday. I don't think they're best team in the league. And I see the argument. Best net rating are actually second just behind Cavs if you take away garbage time. Um, best defense in the league by far and arguably the best player. I mean, certainly the numbers right now with four games into the season, it'd be really hard to knock Giannis off the best player list so far this season. MVP uh, consideration, no doubt. But my understanding of the Bucks is not dissimilar from what it was uh, even before Drew Holiday, uh, back in 2019, when they had the best net rating by far, and everyone thought they were going to win the championship, and I thought they were going to lose to the Raptors. By the way, I had the same th- thinking of them when I thought they were going to lose to the Suns, and they didn't. They won that championship in 2021. But my thinking of them was the regular season's a different animal. The fact that they're so consistent and so ridiculously consistent in the regular season makes a lot of sense to me because they have uh, an animal that unless you're game planning for, you're just going to be, you're just going to succumb to. Giannis Antetokounmpo on a given night can have 36 on 20 shots. However, 
in the playoff series, I think there is ways to stop them. And I think we've seen this. You can build a wall in a seven-game playoff series. I think if the Nets were healthy in 2021, they win that, probably in six games. I think they're beatable. You know, not that they aren't good, but I think they're beatable. So in the regular season, I mean, I do have two power ratings, playoff potential and regular power ratings. The Bucks deserve consideration to be the best team in the league. But I still have the same qualms about them, which is um, against a team that's multiple on offense. Like the Celtics last year, I thought they were the better team. And I know without Chris Middleton, they lost in seven. You could argue they should have won that series. I don't see it that way. You look at the metrics like shot quality, some of the other metrics. The Celtics were the better team than the Bucks in six out of the seven games. They won it. They lost a couple coin flips, but every time they won, they they blew them out. And on balance, they won each game by five points. You beat the second best team in your conference by five points. That's a considerable achievement over a seven game sample size, on average. So I still think the Celtics are better. I still think they're more multiple. They have when they once they get Time Lord back, they'll have the defensive capability to slow Giannis down. I think with Chris Middleton coming back, I'm not sure how much better they get because it's just less you know focus or less. Um, Less Giannis, and I'm not sure they have a way to optimize it to get the best of both worlds at all the time. So really impressive, 4-0, best defense by far, MVP favorite right there with Luka, but I haven't upgraded them above the Celtics, above the Warriors. Um, the Clippers right now, I mean, they're so up and down with who's in and who's out, but I think the Clippers fully healthy are better. So as good as they've been, I think they're fourth. You know, A lot of people think they're the best team in the league. I understand that belief. Uh, I think they're fourth. Well, I mean, I'm looking at their schedule, and I don't see many impressive wins on there. I mean, a couple teams that are faltering right now and teams that really haven't, you know, gone out there and shown that, you know, that they're one of the better teams in the league. And I honestly haven't had a whole lot of exposure, you know, to the Bucks this season, haven't had a chance really to watch much more than, you know, probably like three or four quarters of that team, you know, throughout the season. So I'll hold my judgment uh, for another day with that team. But I do want to go ahead and get into some games here there, McKenzie. And we do have some best bets, and we have our Fezzik pick, and we have our agreed-upon prop bet. Uh, I do want to start out here with the Knicks, though, there, McKenzie. We have the Knicks and the Cavs. Cavaliers going to be a home favorite here, minus 4.5. We have a total of 222.5. Mac, I like the under in this game. I see a lot of size here on both sides, down on the blocks, uh, with Mobley, Allen, and then on the other side you have Mitchell and Randall. I don't know how the guards get to the basket in this one. I envision a lot of outside shooting and the Cavs defense this season so far, you know, it's been pretty solid and the Knicks, their defense, it hasn't really been anything to write home about, but I think the one thing that actually helps the Knicks defense here is the fact that the Cavs are running at the slowest pace in the league. So that team should be able to go ahead and get set and get those big guys down there underneath with Mitchell and Randall. I see this total probably taking a nosedive there, Mac. I would say this probably closes somewhere around 220. So I like the under 222 and a half. They're going to have to have a good day shooting on the outside, and I just don't see it. So I'm going to go ahead. I'll look at the under there, 222 and a half. How are you feeling about the Knicks and Cavs? I kind of agree with you on the total. In fact, I likely would be on it if I wasn't on the Knicks total under the last game. Because just looking at from last year to this year, the personnel is largely the same. R.J. Barrett at shooting guard, Julius Randle at power forward. They add to Jalen Brunson. But I don't really see him as a guy that's going to speed you up a lot. I, he's very effective in the half court. And despite the same personnel, their total's gone up nine points on average from 214 last year to 223. And I look at their three point shooting, it's not that great, 25th in the league. So, like, what's happening? So, that's, that's my big question. And I bet 
under in the Bucks Knicks game, I'm like, well, maybe it's the defenses that the Knicks have faced. Not a lot of defenses to write home about. Putting up 130 on the Hornets uh, is not that uncommon. So against the Bucks, best defense in the league. Yeah, they went under their team total. The Bucks were able to to match them and, and beat them, cover. But it still went over the game total. And you look at that third quarter, 69 points scored. Um, they just want to run this year. They, they have apparently been effective at running, at least trying to catch up in games. Uh, so that's why I'm worried about the Knicks, because it's so different from last year, numbers-wise. Um, maybe it's just a small sample size. That's largely, It's probably a large part of it. But um, they burned me once, so I'm going to stay away from this game. Well, I think one of the things that actually helps me here is the fact that the Cavs just run at such a slow pace that, you know, the home team, that they generally dictate some pace. And if the, if the Knicks do want to run, you know, maybe I can go ahead and get them to slow down that way. But we'll see. We'll see how that game works out. I like the under in that one, so I'll go ahead. I'll give you guys that. I do want to talk about one thing here there, Mac. And I want to talk about a surprising team. Let's just say over the last week, you know, one of the most surprising teams to me is the Brooklyn Nets. That team's one and five right now. And they've now lost four straight games. And, you know, although we can sit here and argue that they've had maybe the the toughest opening schedule, you know, for any team in the NBA, the margin of losses is rather surprising. The Nets scoring differential is the second worst in the East at like minus 8.6 is probably going to go up after this loss uh, against the Pacers. It's probably, it's probably almost near 10. That's good enough for like third worst in the league right now. Ben Simmons had a few moments, and I think moments is probably like a perfect way to describe it. He hasn't maybe had, but maybe like one flash of, you know, being the guy that he once was. The Nets are shooting from the three-point land right now, 27th in the league, and that's very surprising with KD and Kyrie out there. And another key area that I think is surprising with this team is their 28th in rebounding. And actually, maybe the most surprising is that they're getting absolutely nothing from their bench right now. They have the second-worst bench scoring in the league. Clearly, the Nets have issues. And maybe with the softer schedule, maybe the Nets you know, could bounce back. But I have to see this team laying – you know, a decent amount of points and covering spreads and, and finally winning games before I can even think about putting money down. They were minus 10 and a half going up against the Pacers and lost that game. So this team's got issues there, Mac. So, you know, we were talking you know, about surprising teams and, you know, through the first couple games. But, you know, after a full week right now, I'm surprised that the Nets look this bad and that their numbers are this telling um, about how bad they actually are. Not sure how you feel about Brooklyn, but there's got to be concerns on your end, I would imagine. No doubt. Ring, ring the alarm bells. And I was I was slow to ring those alarm bells because what you mentioned, the Nets entering today had by far the strongest strength of schedule. Their average opponent was eighth um, in the league, according to this website, Power Rankings Guru, who does a great um, power-rated adjusted strength of schedule. Because you could do win percentage, but the fact that the Jazz are 4-2 and two and you beat them doesn't mean much to me. So power-rating adjusted strength of schedule. Nets, number one, eighth. Average opponent, Mavericks 10th, Suns 12th, uh, Pelicans also right around there. So that would explain why they're 1-4. and four. I mean, if the Nets would have lost in overtime, or would have won in overtime, rather, which was a coin flip game, that three at the end of the regulation by Net, by uh, Durant with about 30 seconds left, could have easily dropped, making them like 75% to win. But they missed, and then they ended up tying and going to overtime when they lost. But flip that result, and it's a very different question. Mavericks would have been one and three, and I would have said they're probably the best one and three team 
uh, in a minute because they've been really good. They've just beaten. They just lost barely to the Suns. They lost barely to the Pelicans on the road. And they would have lost barely to the Nets, but they didn't. The Mavericks won. And sometimes two teams in the exact same spot, one team finds a way to win and they go in opposite directions, like like a collision of, of subatomic particles because they might have very different seasons. And the Nets, let's talk about it. Entering tonight, it all made sense. Now it doesn't make sense. Now you lost to the Pacers as huge favorites at home. You dropped to 10 and 36 ATS at home since the beginning of last year. 10 and 36. I mean, you just don't see trends that stark. And it's pretty simple. When the Nets are at home in Barclays Center, bet against them. I was really close to betting on them today, to be honest. I thought the Pacers had an upset win yesterday against, on uh, would have been Friday, against the Wizards on the road. Now they're back up in Brooklyn. Another big dog ran the query on that. Very, very negative subset for the Pacers. Usually a team like that would let up. But they improved a 4-0 ATS since the beginning of last year against the Nets. And they win outright going away. Story came out over the summer that Durant would be back only if Sean Marks and Steve Nash would not be in attendance in Barclays Center every time they play there because they wouldn't be on the team. You got to wonder if they're all in. And Kevin Durant had four shots tonight at halftime. Four shots. They were down somehow to the Pacers at home at halftime. Kevin Durant was two for four. Ben Simmons was three for five. And I'm thinking, you know, you want to spin it optimistically. Okay, maybe he's trying to get Ben Simmons going, uh, you know, after a really slow few games or the pessimist in me would say he's checked out he's saying well they're after this they're going to fire Steve Nash or maybe they won't but uh Kyrie's gone next year I'm playing out the string um it does not look like a team that's bought in at all and um will there be a dramatic shift or will they just I mean the owners sending out tweets about how Kyrie Irving is this and that um I didn't see the movie I don't know uh, I, re- I read what Rolling Stone said about it. I, I really don't know. Uh, it just seems like they're not going to patch it up. And uh, this is what we can see continue going forward. I'll tell you this much. I stayed away today. It's going to take a lot for me to bet. The number is going to have to look really, really juicy for me to bet the Nets at home. Uh, but it almost always does look juicy because the books are, are aware of it at this point and they're And they're giving them no home court advantage and they still can't cover. Uh, that's what, I mean, that's, that's the state of affairs. What do I make of it? I really don't know. I'm, I am staying away with a six foot pole because they're, they're too good to be this bad. Yeah. I think my, my hang up today, and I was kind of with you there with maybe looking at, at back in the nets was that their schedule was just so tough. And I'm like, all right, finally, they're going to get a little, a little bit of breathing room here. They're going to be at home. They'll be okay. They'll settle down and they'll get it going. And, and clearly, you know, that, that team doesn't look right. I'm just glad, Mackenzie, that you and I, when we were doing our preseason podcast, that we didn't give out the Nets to win it all, and we didn't give out the Lakers to win it all. So we at least dodged those two landmines. <laughs> but we got the Warriors, so we're we're sitting pretty right now. We're happy with that. We'll we'll take that. And I'm glad you mentioned those two teams because the Lakers and Nets, I'd never put in the same bucket. People kept saying they have like the worst net rating. They're zero and five and one and four. They're the same team. They were both favorites coming in. I'm like, no, 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 no. The Lakers are terrible. The Nets have lost close games to good teams. All of that made sense. There was a distinction before Saturday night, and this loss is an 11-point favorite. Now, yeah, you got to put them in the same bucket. They are just like, what WTF teams at the moment? ATM. Absolutely crazy. Sometimes things are just absolutely unexplainable. 
You want to know one surefire way that Vegas makes money? All they have to do is put out a team total on the L.A. Lakers. I'll explain that. And right now it's time for Vegas is wrong. The Lakers since the year 2000. I don't know if you know this, Mac, but they've only gone over their season win total six out of the last 21 seasons. And the books love it. And look, we'll exclude the COVID year, the bubble season, but the books are raking in money hand over fist with how this Lakers team has been underperforming each year. Mackenzie, you dug up some interesting numbers earlier on today as I brought this topic up, and you were like, this is probably something that we should talk about because the Lakers are just, it's not even that they're a bad bet. They're a terrible bet in the futures market when it comes to you know their team total. Now we do expect the books, you know, to be somewhat close every now and again. At least, you know, we, we <laughs> think that the numbers are sharp there, Mac. But the number says that Vegas has just been dead wrong on this Lakers team. You know, we're looking at the games that they actually win in the total that set. So if you guys are looking to make money, and and Mac, I wish I can do this. I wish I could make like you know a twenty year wager where I could say, you know what, give me the Lakers to go under their season win total for the next twenty years. I would take out a nice loan and, and and spread that out evenly over a 20-year period. And looking at the results that we have here, I'll probably do pretty good. But I know you have some better numbers than than what I laid out. You know, what do you make of this Lakers team? What do you make of, of, of the numbers that the books are setting? I mean, are they doing this on purpose? I, I guess maybe that's my question. Yeah, are they wrong is the question. Have they been wrong? Or have they been dead right knowing that people are going to bet Lakers overs Lakers to win the championship, Lakers everything, because they're the most popular team in the league. Uh, by the way, I liked your uh, idea of a Lakers, a fade the hate Lakers hedge fund or annuity. Uh, I would buy into that. I would buy into that. You could, you know, pool some money together and just, hey, this is going to win 72% of the time historically. So let's dig into those numbers. You mentioned it. Six overs only out of the last 21 seasons. There was a missed season in there uh, with COVID where all bets were refunded. They would have gone over, by the way ironically. And they've gone under in this time period by five games almost per season. That's like 10% of the season. They were not only expected to play, they were expected to win that they don't on average. Let's dig at numbers a little bit deeper. So they win the championships, obviously, in the early 2000s and then 2008, 9, 2009, 10. The next year, they go over by a half game. That was the year they got swept by the Mavericks, you might remember. And Kobe said, uh, we're going to win this series after they're down 3-0. That's what he would do. They went over that year by a half game. Gasol, Odom, Kobe won 57 games. Their over-under was 56 and a half. The next one, two, three, four, five, six, seven seasons, not including this one, where we're going to make it eight out of eight. When the Lakers have had either Kobe or LeBron, they've gone under their season win total. So the two years after Kobe retired in 2015-16, they went over. Other than that, they've gone under. They're 8-2 the last 10 years. And every single time they've had a marquee player like LeBron or Kobe, I know there's a major exception with the COVID year where they were playing great. But unfortunately, all those bets are refunded, so they're refunded. we got to do with the data as it is. The last eight seasons they've gone under. And this year, they were expected to win more than zero out of their first five games. So I think it's safe to say they're on pace to go under. Close to 43.5, maybe 45.5. And it's just, it's the best example maybe that I've seen. I mean, I knew that the Lakers were like 45% ATS with LeBron. I knew that the Lakers, uh, 
with Kobe in the later years, a really bad ATS, a fade team. But this is 21 years of data. Even when they were at their peak, they set the number too high on average by five games per season. It's the best example I can know. The proximity to California and the population of California to Vegas means these are not efficient markets. How many times has there been someone leaving Vegas after a nice fall trip in September and say, hey, let me put my money down on the Lakers. I'll be back in here around March, April. I'm going to collect when they win 60 games. Because, I mean, they got Kobe after all. They got Shaq. They got LeBron. I mean, we're talking about the Lakers here. I'll come back. You know, it's three hours away. I'll, I'll, make, I'll, I'll drive or maybe I'll take the quick flight. And I'll collect. And they never collect. 72% of the time at the closing number. Who knows how, how much it dropped when Sharps would, would hammer the Lakers under. You want to be smarter than the average on the, than the average commuter from L.A. to Vegas. And you got to take advantage of that general uh, bias that they have to bet on their team, purple and gold. Generally, you want to fade the Lakers. I know you did with with the Timberwolves yesterday, nice cash. But with the season win market, more than anything, where you're taking all 82 games in aggregate, the Lakers are just overpriced year after year after year after year. It's almost scientific fact at this point that the Lakers are overpriced by the Vegas market. Yeah, I think one of the things that actually hurts them a lot there, Mac, is the fact that, you know, they come in there with these, like, these bolster rosters that that look really good. And it was like, hey, you got Westbrook coming to town. It's like, all right, we're going to be the dream team. And then, you know, it's mellow one year and it's it's Dwight Howard another year. And they try to put these pieces together that just never seem to fit. And on on the surface, it's like, hey, this team's going to be really good this year. You know, they're going to win 50 games. They're going to win the title. And it, it just never pans out. And I think a lot of that has to do, believe it or not, not with the players that are on the floor. But the people that are up in the office, they're not doing a great job putting a solid team together that could actually work together as one unit, you know, to get over these team totals. And um, that obviously that's not by design, but the sports books, they, they, they have to love this, that, you know, the regular season with, with, you know, some of these teams that they're putting together, that it's not a priority to them. So I don't know. It's, it's just interesting to take a look at, at, you know, how much money that Vegas has made off this team in general. And I think maybe if we go back and we look at like these high profile teams that always have like these lofty expectations, I think we might be able to find something, you know, where all these teams are failing. And then maybe we look at at, at trying to fade some of these teams, you know, year after year and just saying, you know what, this is this is what Vegas is doing because they have a, a, a secret kind of method to their madness, too. I don't know if you have anything else to wrap up there, Mac, but that's pretty much all I got in the Lakers. I won't be betting them over their team total uh, anytime soon. No, 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 please don't. I won't either. I'm (laughs) glad you said what you said about the regular season because uh, all of this conversation reminds me of the famous Suns 12 to 1 bet by RJ Bell. Suns to win the division, the Pacific Division, 12 to 1 at the time. I think at the time, the same record as the Lakers, same record as the Clippers. Two LA teams, lots of celebrities. How much do the regular season really matter on average to the Lakers team? No, they're championship or bust town. Lots of distractions during a long regular season. That doesn't mean all that much besides playoff seeding, especially in the regular season. Look to fade the Lakers or pass would be my advice. I'll just bet them under. That, that's the advice I'll get. Bet the under, and, and I think it'll be all right. Well, look, last week, Mac, I, I tried to stump you. And I didn't do too good with the uh, the NBA Jeopardy section uh, trying to stump Mackenzie River. So I'm going to go and I'm going to try to do that again. Now I'm going to ask Mackenzie some crazy stats. 
and last week he got them both right. And there was a, there was a, it was in question though. I will say that. It <laughs> the pause, you're yeah. questioning my pause. Come on, man. Yeah. I, I wouldn't lie to you. All right. So here's what we'll do. Uh, Mackenzie, if he gets the first question right, he's going to get $100 from pregame. It'll be pregame bulk dollars. He can spend it any way that he wants. And if he gets the first question right, we'll go ahead and we'll go to double jeopardy. And then Mackenzie can wager whatever he wants of these pregame dollars. So Mackenzie, I, I got two here. I I don't think these are too hard, but it's it just look, I'm not trying to throw like any you know what player in 1984 threw a, a half court shot at the buzzer you know uh, in a night game. Nothing that Mackenzie's not going to be able to get, but I do want to give him something just to go ahead and mess with him a little bit here. So here's the first one. We were talking a little bit about the Nets. This is Ben Simmons involved. Ben Simmons has played in the NBA now for five years. He's played a total. He's played a total of 280 regular season games. True or false? Ben Simmons has five total threes made in his entire NBA career. Ooh, this would be an interesting over under. I think it'd be a lot easier. But you're saying true or false? Huh. So we could have four or six, and I'm. So now it's pretty much your psychology because I know he has right around that number, but I think he has less. I think he has three. I think I heard that recently. False. It's true. Dang. Ben Simmons has five total threes. Mackenzie, I think if you played in the NBA and I gave you 280 games, I actually think you would go over five threes. That's well, just I, my I would. I got a, I got a flamethrower. I'm, I'm 40 feet dangerous. No, I mean most people, most teams, most I'm sorry, most players that had the ball in their hand. Again, paid $20 million a year, would say, hey, if I make it from 23 feet, that's going to help me a lot. Ben Simmons is different. <laughs> ben Simmons is different. He's a different kind of dude. Now, you're a different kind of dude, too. And I think that you'll actually get this one right. And I was saying, I'm like, you know what? This is going to be right up his alley. So let me go ahead and throw this one at you. Nikola Jokic, he can win the MVP this season. And that would make him three consecutive straight three MVP mm-hmm. seasons. Who was the last player to actually win three straight MVPs? I thought these were going to be difficult. Larry Bird, before then, Wilt Chamberlain, before then, Bill Russell. Those are the three players previously to win three straight MVPs. You son of a bitch. See, I knew you were going to know that one. I'm like, he's probably got this one locked and loaded, ready to go, <laughs> if in case anybody ever asks him. All right, so I wasn't able to stump you with that one, but I did get you on the first one, so you did. I'm happy about that. You did. All right, so speaking of the Lakers there, McKenzie, let's go ahead and let's shift to one of our games here on Sunday. Uh, the Nuggets are going to be on the road here in L.A. Current line in this game, we don't have one, but we project that we think the line will be Nuggets minus one. Not sure how you're feeling about this game. I have a little bit of a handicap here. I'll let you go ahead and talk about this game first. How are you feeling about the Nuggets and Lakers? Well, I expect Anthony Davis to play, first of all. Um, Darvin Ham said he really wasn't that bad after his injury versus the Nuggets. So it seemed like leaving him out was more precautionary more than anything. So I expect him to play. Yet I expect the Lakers to be home underdogs. I mean, just think about the state of affairs. Anthony Davis is playing. Former MVP, perennial MVP candidate. You know, some of the best PR numbers ever. A few years ago. His numbers in the bubble. Insane. Champion. LeBron James. Arguably top five player to ever do it. His numbers haven't changed that much. 25, 10, and 7. You know, if he would have done that in 2014, no one would have batted an eye. Almost the same. But the LA Lakers are home underdogs 
versus a team that's not even supposed to make the Western Conference Finals. That it would be a big upset if they made the Western Conference Finals. It's just a state of affairs. And I keep saying, wow, the value looks like it's on the Lakers. But, I mean, I got I to gotta, I gotta wipe the uh, Etch-A-Sketch clean and say, okay, what really is the value on the Lakers? What is my new power rating? Because I expected them to be better than last year. They're not. They're worse. All right. Well, speaking of worse, let me try to explain something to you, and then you tell me if I'm right or if I'm wrong here. I'll say something here that it's kind of kind of crazy, but you know, betting on the Lakers is like gambling. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, it, really is. <laughs> it is totally. But we've seen a few different versions of this Lakers team already this season. Lakers played the Nuggets just two games ago, and that was without Russell Westbrook. Lakers still lost that game. I think many would agree there, Mac, that the better version or maybe the best version of the Lakers would have been maybe without Westbrook on the court. Some may disagree with that, but let's just say, um, let's say Russ plays. Well, now you have Russ on the court for this game, and if AD's going to play, he's not going to be 100%. Is this actually the worst version of the Lakers that we're going to see all season long? It's a good question. It's a really good question because I think it's it's not common knowledge, but um, widely assumed I want to say that when Russell Westbrook doesn't play, the Lakers should be better. But we have some evidence of that, like when he's off the court or when he didn't play against the Nuggets and they were tied at half and they you know, were down by 20 soon after that, uh, lost by 11 at Denver. In my power ratings, I never made it a negative for Westbrook to be off the court. More talent seems to be better to me, especially when that team is not that deep. But I, I have long since added anything uh, when Westbrook adds. He seems to be a, a net neutral Maybe, you know, quarter point upgrade uh, if I was going to get granular with it. But I haven't seen any competent point guard play in the L.A. roster that makes me think, okay, they don't need they don't need Westbrook. They're good. They, they, they have enough offense. I mean, their offense entering Saturday, their offense was by far the worst in the league. 96 net rating per 100 possessions. The Magic are 106. They're 10 points worse than them. The Magic were second to last. Third to last, I should say. Clippers are actually a really bad start. But the Lakers offense is 96 net rating. That would be like five points worse than any offense we've seen in the last five years. They need somebody to be the point guard. I feel like LeBron is is putting up numbers. He's making sure he gets his 27 and 7. But it's obviously not working. And um, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, whether Reggie Miller during the broadcast will be like, let's just let's just pause the frame right here. I mean, how amazing is this guy at 38 years? Like, how often are we going to have that conversation without pointing out that that 38 year old is leading the worst offense in basketball? We'll see. We'll see. Maybe oh at nine, the conversation will start. Is LeBron worse than the fifth best player in the NBA? It started a while ago for me, uh, but we'll see. We'll see how long you're able to hold out from going on a 40 minute tangent because you were about. <laughs> you were about to, and I and I said, you know what? He stopped himself. He's like a, a professional podcaster. He didn't want to just turn this into the anti-LeBron podcast. And I, I gotta give you credit, Mac. That was a good job. So that was like Thank a best you. bet, right? Winner, right there. That you guys didn't have to listen to Mackenzie ranting and raving for forty minutes. So. It, it, it took, and some I know long. I'm right. On some, that. some, yeah, you're exactly right about that. You're exactly right. I knew that. I knew that. All right, well, hopefully we're right on the next one here, Mackenzie, and that's going to be our Fezzik bankroll bet. For those of you guys who don't know what the Fezzik bankroll bet is, Mackenzie will go ahead and explain that to you, but our bet is going to be 
on the Minnesota Timberwolves minus the five and a half points. They'll be on the road in San Antonio on Sunday. Mac, tell everybody what the Fezzik bankroll bet is, and then you can go ahead and lead in your handicap. Tell me what you think. The Fezzik bankroll bet is a partnership between Fez and us where we are leveraging each other's best strengths, where we're handicapping the NBA each and every day. Uh, Fezzik, especially right now in October, as a lot of other sports he's worrying about, he's monitoring for hardcore NBA handicappers. Uh, Fezzik, regardless of the sport, tell him there's a there's a tic-tac-toe game going on in Thailand. He's going to get you the very best number in the world. It's an art and uh, it's a it's a craft and, and he's the best at it that I've seen. Executor of bets. So we combine our strengths here with the Fezzik bankroll bet. What we do is each and every weekend we pick one bet that we love, Sleepy and I. We say, hey, man, this, this I mean, maybe, maybe we should get down early because the number likely is going to move tomorrow. We alert our friend Fez, we said, hey, this is the number we're going to run. He bankrolls us. You know, we have a you know, partnership with him. And voila, we take a screenshot generally of the bet in this particular instance. I'm not going to get into the particulars. We don't have that screenshot, but it's on our Twitter, the bet. It's uh, Timberwolves minus five and a half. And it's funny. We were monitoring during the day. We were very happy. Bookmaker came out, and I'm not going to lie, came out at five after DraftKings. And we were mad. We were like, come on. We thought this wasn't even close. We thought this number was way off. Bookmaker was going to push it up. I was very happy minutes later. Not only did DraftKings go to six, but Bookmaker went in between five and a half and six. So we, we, were, uh, we were strong. The Bookmakers came out a certain number. We thought that number was way off. Market is moving closer to that number. Westgate opens. Timberwolves minus six. It's funny. In the football, uh, these, these happenings uh, once a week are, are so... Um, are such tent poles that we consider the books open Sunday night. Vegas books really get going Monday morning. Uh, Thursday, the look, the limits open up, and you see the movement each of those individual steps. In the NBA, that is a twenty-four hour cycle, not a seven-day cycle. Anyway, long story short, I'll get into the handicap in a minute. But the Fezzik bankroll bet is a partnership between us to uh, to a mean handicapping NBA duo. I'm not sure. If, I'm not going to say we're the best in the world, but I'd like to see a duo better. I'd like to see a duo compete. We're very good at what we do. We take a lot of pride in it. Steve Fezzik, exact same thing, getting the best number in the world. We combine that with the Fezzik bankroll bet each and every weekend. Now, let's get into the handicap because I love the Timberwolves at five and a half. I like them a lot at six. I would still bet this, even if I wasn't able to get the best number through the partnership with Steve Fezzik. But the the Timberwolves are a lot better than the market expects. And the early season struggles really spoke exactly to what I expected with this team. They're brand new. Anthony Edwards is in a different place in his career mentality, in his game. Currently the leading scorer on that team at almost 23 a game, more than Carl Anthony Towns, than he was last year. He kind of got there in the playoffs. He was moving in that direction, but it's something new. Add to that, Rudy Gobert, top 25 player in the league, very singular player, unique. Add that to the mix. It was going to take some growing pains, but I didn't think it would take a long time because Rudy Gobert, his uh, ability is very portable. Move it. Defense, you know, bring it. it. Might take a game or two, but I didn't think it would take long. We're seeing the fruits of what you do when you had the best offense in the league at the end of last year in the regular season, and you add a defensive dynamo, probably the best defensive player over the last decade. So these numbers keep coming out, and I keep thinking the Denver Wolves are short, especially when they have the same matchup. We saw this with the Thunder; they played them once. Now they played them again. They have more comfort. They know what they're going to do. And they destroyed them. The Spurs, the same matchup. This is going to be the third time in a week. They played them once. They lost by a lot. They got blown out. They got embarrassed. 
the next week it wasn't the next game it wasn't that close i expect them to bring that same intensity to close it out in this three game series the rubber match to win two out of the three games and i think being on the road doesn't really hurt them because what is the disadvantage of being on the road it's discomfort well it's a lot more comfortable when you're playing the exact same team the exact same lineups you know how you're going to attack them so the timberwolves are congealing they're getting better now let's flip it around let's talk about the spurs the spurs upset win over the bulls all right, great job. They shot the lights out of the ball. Bulls still put up 124. Spurs, they can win a shootout. They're generally not stopping anybody, especially the Timberwolves last year, one of the best offenses in the league. And here's the trend that I discovered. So the Timberwolves, one is underdogs versus the Bulls at home. And now they're playing again as home underdogs. Since 1995, over 750 games, that exact scenario, home underdog win, upset win, and then you're a home underdog again, under 45% ATS, 350 up, 433 down, huge sample size, and it's gotten even stronger. As home court advantage dissipates, and I've talked about that a lot, I think it's about one and a half right now. Historically, it's been three. Last three years, 2019 on, this trend, fading a team like the Spurs, a home underdog that just won as a home underdog. If you're fading that team, you're 58% over 100 games. So it's gotten stronger, this massive trend. And we're betting a team that's already underrated by the market. That's why I love this play. Love it at six. I should say I like it at six. Love it at five and a half. That's why it's the Fezzik bankroll bet. All right. Well, a lot of good stuff there to go ahead and kind of digest. For me, it's pretty simple there, Mac, with this Spurs team right now. They're down a bunch of point guards and a bunch of shooting guards right now. Their vassal is going to be out. Josh Richardson, he may not play. I don't know if you heard the news about Primo. Obviously, he's not mm-hmm. on his team anymore. And the news that came out about him and, and why he's not on this team uh, is a little disturbing. Yeah. So if you guys don't know what that is, go ahead and, and look that up. But, look, they're going to be shorthanded here with at the guard position. And, and I think that that's been one of the things that's been able to kind of push this Spurs engine along. Poto's not going to have a, a, a big day, not against Gobert, not down low. And I think one of the things that's more important is, you know, Minnesota, they lost to these guys in the first game, but they turned right around. They simply adjusted and they end up winning that game by 12 points. So it's going to be a quick look for a better team. And when you're shorthanded, I think that, that that's going to be a, a major disadvantage here for the Spurs. And I think maybe you do have to wonder, you know, what kind of a home court the Spurs have tomorrow. I mean, it's a Sunday, you know, the Cowboys are out there rocking and rolling. I imagine that you know, San Antonio might not have a, exactly a full crowd going. So for me, it's Minnesota. Yeah, we're high on that team, Mac. I mean, this is one of the teams we think that could actually win that division. But I think it's only a matter of time, and it looks like it's starting to get going now, you know, with this Timberwolves team that they're they're starting to go ahead and play much better ball. And let's go back just a couple days ago. You know, we were talking about Anthony Edwards and how he got called out. And we turned around and it was we were like, you know, point three bounds and assists. Let's go ahead and play that over. That'll be our our prop bet of the day. And we, we crushed it. I think by halftime we we might have won that bet or third quarter. Like something happened with that team. And and sometimes it's just something stupid like that where a guy's talking about eating Popeyes and and the leader of the team speaks up and says, you know what? Like we gotta dial this in. And you can't call somebody out unless you check yourself, unless you just or that guy that you know loves to give give advice and, and never takes his own, but I think this team probably just checked in and they're all taking 
you know, inventory on who they are, what they're doing and, and, and what their ultimate goal is and how the hell they're going to get there. One of their goals is not to lose to the Spurs, you know, two times in one week. So I think Minnesota comes with a big effort. Spurs are down a bunch of men, and I wouldn't be shocked if the Timberwolves go ahead and roll this team. So that'll be our Fezzik bankroll bet. We'll go ahead and we'll play the Timberwolves uh, at minus five and a half. One quick thing on Carl Anthony Towns, leader of the team, as you mentioned, taking a look at his stats, it really confirms that he's taking a different approach this year. He's taking his least shots ever, scoring the least amount of points ever. But he's in the locker room saying we got to try better. We got to pick up our defensive intensity. We can't jog on fast break opportunities. That's the last evolution. I've always thought this. Look at the best of the best players. Sometimes their stats get a little bit worse when they've finally gotten to that championship level. Diana Taurasi talks about this. He's like, when I was, she, I said he was, but she was like, when I'm really dominating, I don't put up 35, 10, and 10. I put up 28, 4, and 4, and I'm sitting in the fourth quarter. That's the final frontier when you're really thinking the game. And I've seen Carl Anthony Towns take a step in that direction. I think he took a major step there, Mac. And I think the fact that he's willing to give the ball up tells us all what the ultimate goal is for this team and that he's bought into, you know, Gold Bear being there and him not being the center and, and him playing a different role. If he's willing to give the basketball up, then that means he really cares about winning because some of these guys, and I don't want to go and, and say any name in particular, but some of these guys in the NBA, you know, somebody like a Carl Anthony Towns who has played on a bad team for years, like, what has Minnesota really won with him outside of last year? Uh, not much. So he, he, it's probably hard for him to even envision winning. But the fact that, you know, they bring in one player, they made the playoffs last year, like he's completely bought in, like, hey, this is a damn good basketball team. Maybe we'll be able to win. And whatever the coach is telling me to do, I'm going to go out there and do that. And I'm going to try to get these guys whipped into shape and and just be that, be that leader. So I like everything about this Wolves team right now, especially just over the last couple of games. Like there's a different feel right now from, you know, the game in which they lost to San Antonio where they kind of left you and I kind of scratching our heads a little bit. No doubt. thirty Down by 30 in the fourth quarter. That'll leave a taste in your mouth. We saw them respond to that uh, last week. I think they respond to that again and again, win this rubber match. Really like this play. Lay, lay the points with Timberwolves. All right. So we talked about our agreed upon prop bet. Finally got that one out, right? We had a couple different selections that we were considering. And what McKenzie and I fell upon is Chris Paul under points, rebounds, and assists. And that line will be at 29 and a half, and that is available currently uh, right now on DraftKings. Mac, you want to hit some of the, the high notes, and I'll hit some of the low notes on why we're going to go ahead and play CP3 under his 29 and a half points, rebounds, and assists? Yes. First thing you got to look at in this game, that we looked at in this game, and before we landed on this play, was the spread. Huge spread. Rockets, another team that's had a really difficult schedule, but they – haven't been even competitive in almost any game. One of the worst net ratings in the league. So they're 10-point favorites at home, the Suns. How much is Chris Paul really going to have to do? And we've seen him step it up in big national TV games against the Warriors. He went over his point total. He scored 16 points. It's first time in not, first game, time out of the last nine games he's actually gone over his point total. Generally, he's had to do less in these bigger wins. Let's look at it. Last game, they won by 13, seven points nine assists, five rebounds. So his scoring has been consistently down across the board. However, his minutes have really been correlated to how competitive these games have been. Only 30 minutes in the last time out. So maybe he gets hot shooting and he goes four for seven and he goes over 12 points, gets over his point total barely. But if he does that, 
they're probably cruising and the rest of the numbers will go down. More likely, he'll have five rebounds, nine assists, his general point total. And his shooting last nine games now, we've seen going back to last season, will stay consistently, uh, you know, rare, four or five shots a game, seven shots a game, and pretty bad and not particularly good. So points, rebounds, and assists generally correlated to minutes. I expect the court, the minutes to be down and the shooting to be down in a game that the Suns should win comfortably. I wonder if somebody like Aiton being off the floor kind of screws up somebody like Chris Paul, who I get it. We know how high level he is, but sometimes I think like these veteran guys, they just, they understand the system. They know exactly what they need to do. And when all the pieces are there, you know, they can operate at a very high level. And I think that, you know, maybe Paul struggles. Hey, look, it could be age, but you know, it could be something very stupid. Like maybe a James, maybe I was about to say Jamison Crowder. Maybe maybe Jay Crowder's not out on the floor. Could just be something like that. One of the reasons why he's struggling, and he's only, he's gone over this number only once this year, over twenty nine and a half points, rebounds, and assists. So he's four out of five to the under, and he's only shooting thirty three percent from the floor. Like he was like I think one for six, and then in his last game he was like one for seven. So something something's going on with Chris Paul. We haven't identified exactly what that is yet, but playing him under right now is probably the way to go, unfortunately. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. And why would he have that aberration game, that I'm back game against the Rockets as 11-point favorites? I don't see it. I think it continues more of the same. So that's why I like this play. I feel like maybe he's, you know, the fact that he that he did it against the Warriors, maybe it's just like one of those big, big-time games where, you know, he can kind of just dig into his bag of tricks and pull out you know, pull out the best game that he possibly has. But against some of these teams, you know, when they're laying almost two touchdowns or something like that, you do have to worry what his motivation is. He's probably thinking, hey, let the rest of these guys beat these guys up. I don't need to go out here and exert myself. And I could see campaign probably chopping in his minutes here, you know, for a good portion of this game. And if, you know, this game's over and done with probably middle of the third quarter, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if he sits, um, you know, because they got another tough game coming up after that. So, uh, that'll be our agreed upon prop bet. We'll go ahead. We'll play CP3 under 29.5 points, rebounds, and assists. All right. So, you guys got our best bets for the podcast Cavs under T Wolves and Chris Paul under points, rebounds, and assists. So, that'll wrap up uh, this edition of the NBA Dream Podcast. You guys could always find Mackenzie and I on RJ Bell's Dream Preview feed. Get at us on Twitter at Mac and Rivers at SleepyJ underscore pregame. Make sure you guys like and subscribe to the podcast. And if you're looking to save a little bit of cash on some premium picks at pregame.com, simply enter code DUNK20. Again, that's DUNK20. I hope you guys have a great Sunday, and I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck. Enjoy the games.